Hello and welcome, dear listeners, to episode 28 of the Universe Podcast. I'm your host, Leo, sitting here today with Kerry and Philip. Hello. And we are here to talk about growing as writers. Mm -hmm. Have we grown? We shall see. I sure hope so. (laughs) I sure hope so, yes. Mentally, but not in size. (laughs) I'm sure growing size. (laughs) You have. <laughs> You're growing your hair back. Oh, yes, yes. That always grows back. All right. Let's start with maybe going around and everybody says one thing that they've recently either learned or discovered that yeah, you're becoming better at. Uh, I can start. Yeah. I have recently received some feedback on, on a text that I submitted for a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it was a few months ago, and I think I did in just in that waiting period, waiting for the feedback. I, I did some growing, but in the in the feedback I got, uh, there was the mention of a lack of subtext, um, which I think since I've gotten the feedback and since I've written that particular text, I've gotten better at. I think so far my problem was that I uh, when I read text at a universe group was that I just wanted to be 100% clear as to what I was talking about. And I think I need to, to learn to trust my, my readers to, mm-hmm. to be smart. Okay. Yeah. So uh, your stories weren't very subtle. Yeah. It was kind of on the nose, mm-hmm. hearts on the sleeve, just saying what you think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, can be good. Yeah. As a, I assume as a, a character, um, characteristic of a character actually. yeah i think it's also important just to know when to use subtext and when to just use text yeah true because too much subtext is you know it's just weird because then you ask yourself why don't they just say what they what they mean mm-hmm. the characters um when so it's beating around the bush all the time yeah yeah i mean the, it might be like you know when you write it might be context dependent on 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 the setting of the scene. Uh, maybe it's social conventions that somebody is. Um, what was it? I, I did watch a couple of videos in subtext, and the, there was the example of uh, the Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. There was a scene. I have to be honest; I never read it or watched it, so I'll just refer to them as the man and the woman. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the. This woman who has a husband, but she is also kind of in love with the man, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, I think. But she can't just straight out say that, just kind of talking around that, using metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a social convention where that works, um, where you shouldn't use too much, you know, what's the opposite of subtext? Just mm-hmm. We shouldn't use on-the-nose language. Yeah, I guess. Or something that I've just noticed rewatching Mulan again, <laughs> uh, as I do. Uh, there's a great scene um, after, so it's in the beginning, after Mulan sings Reflection, where um, she clearly, there's just some subtext in the scene where, I mean, I guess it's obvious that she's concerned about not fulfilling expectations. The father sits down next to her and uh, he talks about. Um, flowers or blossoms on, on a tree and how there's like one one flower that's not blossomed yet but once it does it will be the most beautiful one 
of them all. And I think that's a, that's a nice example for, for, for nice subtext mm -hmm. because it's obvious enough, um, but it's not too obvious, I think. Okay, yeah. That's good. It's a good thing to learn. How about you, Carrie? I'm not sure. I think I've gotten better at revisiting my old texts over the time and editing them. Because originally I had this approach, when I, once I'd finished writing a text, I'd just leave it mm -hmm. and never get, get back to it again. And now that, particularly with Universe, um, I've started going back and editing them and let's call this correcting mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that helped me a lot as well. How, how did you, how did you get there? I mean, what was the, the impetus? Well, I think if you constantly get feedback from people mm -hmm. <laughs> at some point, you just can't be like, okay, fine. I got the feedback. I'm just still going to leave yeah. the text the way it is and mm. be, and say goodbye to it. Mm -hmm. That would be useless. <laughs> you would have done mm. the yes. whole thing for nothing. What did I recently learn? Something I learned, I think, is that you can use an idea more than once, that you mm. can have that one phrase that starts the poem going for more than one. You can, you can mm. just use it as, you know, I don't know, The, the seed, you plant the seed mm -hmm. more than one time and you see what, what flowers come of it. Um, Within the same poem? No, just, you know, you've got one phrase that you mm -hmm. execute that phrase or one, like, um, conceit, I guess. Oh, okay. You execute that once and then after some time you do it again and see what comes of it this time. Write another okay. poem with the, like, maybe I should say that. Mm -hmm. But for me often it's, it's kind of, one phrase that won't go or that I find particularly interesting or that doesn't go out of my mind that keeps floating around mm -hmm. my brain for a while and then I'll use that as the, like the starting idea or line in a poem and that I can use those lines more than once was something that had never occurred to me before but it's <laughs> quite obvious and I think I've also I, I'm getting better at um, getting a feeling for a more analytical feeling for what sounds right when mm -hmm. that when like lines aren't working i know what's not working like sound wise i didn't really have that before it was like kind of you know a hit and miss kind of thing and now like i wrote a poem yesterday where i was like okay this line isn't working because it's got too many t's and d's oh, okay. like sounds that obstruct the airflow in the front of the mouth and the rest of the sounds of the whole poem were all a very fleeting sound so words with lots of vowels or only uh, obstructive um, consonants that obstructed the airflow more more in the back or were fricatives or something like that so you think a lot about when you write a poem how you're going to read it out loud Yeah, because okay. uh, I, I guess I do that because it's part of the process. It's, can't, it's part of the process, and it, it it really trips you up when when a line mm. isn't working right. Mm. I don't know. I can't quite pinpoint it yet. Most often, but sometimes you just feel that like the rest of the poem obviously has some kind of innate rhythm that you may not have been going for, but that's there in itself, mm -hmm. I guess, or, I don't know, you may have been going for unconsciously. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and then at this at the point that I am now I can notice that when it's not working and maybe hopefully also what's not working. So can you reveal what the phrase is that you come back to? Is that too personal? I mean that differs for every single okay. poem. Like the last the last um phrase I executed was a heavy darkness. Mm-hmm. I heard that in a in a in a, in a podcast i heard a, a guy say that phrase and I, i thought that was just a very beautiful picture or like an, an interesting combination interesting. of of um, of words because you don't usually think of uh, the absence of light having uh, like weight. physical weight yeah. uh yeah another thing what else did i have recently <laughs> i mean it's, sometimes it's also just uh, like general ideas i wrote it i well i wrote and i've been trying to execute that idea again of writing a poem about the soviet space program oh okay. <laughs> because i think it's such an interesting yeah. thing that's like they were in a state of uh, agricultural partly feudal society mm-hmm. in the 1910s and then 50 years later they are sending uh, like a, a, a satellite to space <laughs> yeah it's it's quite a a, a complex um premise for for power yes that, that makes it very hard to execute i've been yeah. struggling a lot because uh it's like i've been trying to fit uh the the historical events of 50 years into <laughs> like five or six lines <laughs> i mean that's one line per decade yeah. <laughs> yes i mean i i, I put i put uh, the russian civil war and world war Two in one All right. <laughs> so yeah i might have to work on that execution again <laughs> and i wrote another one where the premise was um do you know have you ever uh, uh, i'm sure you have you've, you've seen ruins of houses and usually you only have uh, the you know the foundations mm-hmm. and those foundations they don't really They do tell us something about what about the people who lived there, but usually only about the people who lived on the ground floor. If there was more, than one, <laughs> if there's more than one floor, all the other floors yeah. are gone. We don't know. Like we, there's, of course, like the, the floors fall down; they mm. fall to the ground. But there's much less left of the people who lived on the second story mm. uh, than there is of the people who lived in the first story. Yeah, that's the the conceit for one. <laughs> Um, you both uh, you both said that um, feedback has been important for you for um, universe, I suppose, and the feedback you got from that uh, that writing mm-hmm. competition. As we are the universe podcast, we should maybe talk a bit about how uh, the universe has treated us, how the universe has helped us grow as writers. <laughs> I guess I'll start if Carrie gives me the devil's eyes. <laughs> It's not the devil's eyes. I was just trying to make you start so I wouldn't have to. <laughs> I will take that social clue. Um, it was very subtle. Yeah, it was, it was very subtle. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> um, how has the universe helped me? Um, I think in a lot of ways because we... it's. I guess it's a bit of a long answer uh, because we've also changed the way we give feedback. True. Um, at the very beginning, because we're kind of a young society, at the very beginning it was just anything that you think about the text. And then we came up with the idea, hey, maybe the writer should ask for specific feedback, which I think 
helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been listening to this one podcast um, by the guys. Start with this. Start with this. They had a brilliant episode yeah. about feedback. Yes, and I find it so interesting that uh, some of the things they suggested, we kind of came to yeah. naturally just out of two years of experience. Yeah, asking for specific feedback, setting a time limit, and establishing that you want feedback. Mm-hmm. We should maybe say for other people carrie have you heard about start with this no i was going to suggest we put it in the description yeah i've been planning to post about it on facebook anyway for a while now it's uh, by the guys who who made among many other things the welcome to night vale podcast they're both uh, podcast and novel writers and playwrights and they did a podcast they are doing a podcast about creative writing mm, where they talk about one topic And then they give you a practical assignment, something that you do, and something to consume relating to writing or any kind of, Mm. like all arts, basically. But I think it's very cool. And yeah, I find many things things in the feedback episode that we as the universe also already do. It was kind of cool to see these parallels between us and some so I'd say more professional writers. <laughs> yes, I was also very proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> also that we started, I think it's good that we started uh, limiting the feedback time because oh, yeah. we did sometimes ramble on about uh, unnecessary things yeah. for a bit long, like punctuation. punctuation and but what about the semicolon? I still get flashbacks from the, the punctuation wars. <laughs> the punctuation wars <laughs> to be 2017. Honest. <laughs> To be honest, though, some of us need that. <laughs> we, we do, we do. But then I think as a, as a writer, you, you can it. then ask yeah. for punctuation feedback. I'm just terrible with commas. Yeah. They hate me. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing poetry, you can just not do punctuation. <laughs> so just do the punctuation there where it, where it should be. Why do you think I love it so much? Yes. <laughs> you can do all lowercase writing, like a sassy tweet. Ooh, like me some sassy tweets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think to, to actually answer your question, how uh, how it helped me, um, uh, I think it just helped me see things about my writing that I didn't see myself, but it were kind of obvious to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, how I write dialogue is kind of, at least at the very beginnings, it was v- just very similar to how you would write dialogue in a in a script for for film or TV show. It was just very little um, actual description. It was very um, dialogue heavy. And I think that's something I've been working on because I, I don't think that dialogue heavy is necessarily like a form of criticism or negative critique. Um, but I think for certain prose texts, you do want, you, you don't want to, to you're, you don't want your text to read as, as a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think also that like the most basic aspect of the universe that you've got a place where you can share your writing and that motivates you to write more because mm. that's after all how we all get better over time, I suppose, by writing and writing more. Uh, that's just that that alone in itself is already a good thing about the universe. Yeah, also, when you, when you get like good feedback, as in 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 a sense of people really liking your story and uh, tell you what they like about it, mm-hmm. 
it it makes you feel just great mm -hmm. and wanting to more wanting to write more every time after the universe yeah. basically even if you didn't send something in yourself you walk out there uh feeling like super energized i need to go write mm -hmm. something now yeah it was strange for me just uh, I'll, i'll let carrie talk in a minute <laughs> just one more thing is i love listening to you <laughs> please continue um a few weeks ago i i did read a story at at the universe for our like april fools event that i got really great feedback on mm -hmm. and then i got home and i i saw the email from the competition that was uh some like for for some parts kind of harsh or a little like a little condescending mm -hmm. um so that was a that was a confusing day for me <laughs> Just, okay yeah how do i feel about this mm -hmm. but then again i mean if you you got that good experience just before that yeah and, and i did yeah and i did think dealing. sorry yeah continue and i, I, did, I did think about about how the, the email was for, for something that i wrote three months ago and just mm -hmm. how much i've grown in that in yeah. the meantime yeah yeah and i also i wanted to say that having something so good happen before that kind of I guess uh, inculcates you against against uh, whatever bad feedback comes after. Yeah, it dulls the blows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also in times like these, you got to remember that everyone's a critic. Yeah. <laughs> And in some cases, you yourself are your are your biggest critic. So that's also how the universe helps because sometimes it's good to hear other people's perspective on a text when you sit there and are like. This is never going to work. This is a terrible text. Mm, yeah. And then you hear other people's feedback on it and suddenly you're like, oh, but I can make something out of it. And that something is going to be great. Yeah. They tell you what they like about your text and then you can take that and, yes. and go on with that. Yeah. I also think that's brilliant. Something else we really like about the universe that helps us grow as writers is the mere act of giving feedback because or even about for asking feedback, you, because you need to learn how to, to put into words what you're going for yeah. and to put into words uh, what you like about a text. And I think that's really great because then also when you go back to writing, you have a more like a clearer picture in your mind of what you're going for. And also finding what you like and what you dislike in other people's texts gives you a new perspective on your own text yeah. sometimes. Mm. So... I, I wrote something down about that, this ability of um, being so analytical about my own texts or your own texts. I find that still I struggle with that because especially for all the texts uh, that I wrote quite a while ago, I find it very difficult to separate my feeling of whatever feeling I, I may have towards uh, that person, that like past version of me that wrote the text i find it very difficult to separate that from the the quality of the writing itself and i think that's something that i think giving feedback kind of help with that because then maybe not you know the, the as far as the general impression of the, like a text or poem is concerned but like on the individual sentence or structure basis uh, having a more analytical view can help you get past those feelings. Do you ever also experience such feelings that you can't really approach the text analytically because you're too bound up in within yourself, maybe? Like emotionally um, mm -hmm. connected to the text? Mm -hmm. um, it depends on... It depends on why I wrote the text. 
Um, because I think most of the texts that I write are for the purpose of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes there is a there will be an element. Um, there will be something from my real life that I put into a text, um, but that, that's usually like minimal. But if I do write a text that's more biographical, I think I will be. I will be more attached to it, and I I won't really know uh, what what's good about it and what mm-hmm. isn't, because when you you tell your life story, uh, the thing is that life isn't you know a perfect narrative with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's confusing, and uh, plot points don't uh, get wrapped up. It's it's dangerous for your whole conception of a self to mm-hmm. go back. Because you you kind of you're confronted with the fact that you yourself are so malleable, I suppose, and it's 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 a it's a weird and sometimes very uncomfortable feeling having to find out that you you you're so unstable, your personality, mm. yourself. <laughs> oh, we're getting deep into I don't know. It's, I'm experiencing the mirror stage every, over and over again. I guess. <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm not much of an analytical writer. Um, I can be analytical and I can be cold and calculating if I want to. (laughs) But most of the time, I'm a very emotional writer. Mm -hmm. So whether or not it's me exactly writing down the situation that I'm in or writing down my own feelings or writing down something completely different, my my feelings always get into the middle of everything. (laughs) And... For some reason, when I go back and revisit my texts, I either agree with myself or I'm like, hmm, this is what I felt like back then. Interesting. Oh, what a fool I have been. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that's good, uh, I guess, for personality growth, but doesn't really do much as far as the quality of the writing is concerned. Not really. (laughs) I recently, because I know there was like, I always um, notice in my own writing that even though I don't plan it to match up in, in the end, you know, some poems that are talking to each other, they're kind of forming a chain of, you know, something that even even maybe if I didn't really notice it at the time was obviously bothering me at the time mm. or on my mind, I suppose. And I've, I've got those, I don't know, what would you call that? I guess serious, I guess I'd mm-hmm. call it a serious. I've got a few of that and I recently wanted to go back to one of them. Mm-hmm. And then I find a really hard time because I remember really liking them at the time I wrote them. All right. But now I went back to them and I don't like the poems anymore. And I don't know if it is because I've kind of exited that stage I was in at that point. Mm-hmm. Or if it is because the poems really were shit. If the poems really were shit, uh, I mean, it's not very likely. But like, uh, <laughs> because I, I spent like basically one semester at the universe reading these poems, and some of them got quite good feedback. But uh, you know, uh, and then I thought, uh, maybe you know, when you're doing this kind of editing, you should maybe do it with two people. That you've got, you know, you've got somebody by your side who helps you a bit, and you can't fall into that. Oh my god, everything's horrible. I'm horrible. <laughs> I should just quit. <laughs> You need you need an angel and a devil on your shoulder. Yes, yeah, yeah. Somebody, but for both the good parts and the bad parts about mm. your writing. Thinking about that, um, this past Sunday, uh, Saturday, 
which is yesterday, <laughs> we did a bit of a um, like a writing hangout mm-hmm. with the universe, and I really loved that because we're both like basically always two people sitting at one table and kind of not really like writing side by side, side, mm-hmm. uh, some more or less than others. But you always had, you know, somebody to riff off of. Like you could say, hey, what do you think about this line? Can I read my poem to you? Does the, the like the meter make some sense to you? And then sometimes you, we just, oh, yeah, some of us just yelled into the room, hey, guys, I need a synonym for this and this word. And this is what I want the synonym, synonym to sound like or how long I want it to be. <laughs> and then we like collectively brainstormed because obviously there's no, no internet and no thesaurus in the, the basement of Highlander. I, I was going to say that's some very specific requests. <laughs> There were very specific requests, yes. I was looking, once I was looking for um, a description of the ground that is short mm-hmm. and the ground is supposed to be ragged and it's as if something was wrong about the ground. <laughs> <laughs> It's a four-letter word, horizontal. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we ended up with cleft. Cleft. Right. This whole situation sounds very familiar to what I did this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Because I've I've recently started playwriting. So today I met up with a friend at Starbucks and mm-hmm. she was writing her... I'm not sure if it was her paper for one of her classes or a presentation. Um... I think she wrote both (laughs) and I was sitting next to her writing my play and every once in a while I'd just look up and be like, I need a synonym for good that has one syllable, sounds bright and glorious. Yeah. (laughs) That's also what I meant before. And makes sense in terms of what this character would say because he's Mm. kind of a bit of a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's also what I meant before with... uh, kind of learning how to describe what you're going for because then you really have to be very specific i mean i wasn't very specific i.e <laughs> i need to learn uh, how to formulate that better and maybe that that'll help me know what i need in the future so i think we should do that more often it was great fun you should mm-hmm. you should come sometime i wanted to but i had a first aid course <laughs> also important uh, something i guess i suppose uh, being good at first date can in some situations be better than being good at poetry but only in some <laughs> yeah not in universe situations yeah. hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> nobody Let's die at our meetings it. please <laughs> or um. if you feel like you're dying leave the room <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I was I was wondering, um, as I was thinking about feedback and how I applied it to my own texts, how I um, looked back at old texts, and uh, we talked about this kind of yesterday. Um, we talked about like the the writing you did as a teenager mm-hmm. and how that's maybe you know it's air quotes good for a 16 year old, 15 mm-hmm. year old, and. I've been thinking since we talked about this, when do we go from good for a certain age to just good period? And I was just wondering what makes a good text? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't think, I mean, 
there is there is a certain there is something to how much experience you have mm-hmm. but i think then again there's also that some people just bring something so so new to the table that even though i don't know they may start at 35 40 mm-hmm. whenever they bring something so new so new to the writing table as opposed that it's still like the product is still really interesting and yeah i mean at one point do you if you think about i don't know famous writers mm-hmm. You don't think about, you know, J.K. Rowling and, and say, well, she writes well for her, yeah. however <laughs> old she is. Uh, we only really do that for teenagers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't, yeah. But again, we also, you also can have like that, um, <clears throat> that uh, how much of this is, you know, like personality development and how much of this is how long the person's been writing already. Mm. Because even teenagers, I suppose, if you start with 13 and you write a lot, I don't know, till you're 17, mm-hmm. you'll be a pretty darn good writer with 17. But I still think that to some extent we should still use the good writing for a certain age mm-hmm. because it it's a form of encouragement. Because, of course, there's like mm-hmm. mistakes in there. There's style errors, there's, depending on what style you use, because... <laughs> And all that. So it's encouraging for those people who write to hear you're writing good for your age. Mm-hmm. Because then if, if we judge them by what other people write, adults who've been writing for their entire life, um, they might be discouraged by that and mm-hmm. feel like they're terrible writers and never write a single poem ever again. Mm-hmm. And that would be a pity. True, yeah. true, yeah. I thought about... Um, sorry, I thought about um, a few writers from the from the universe group. How they, how some of them were quite new to writing in general, but were always kind of interested, including me. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if you look at their, you know, very first submission, um, like I, I remember thinking about the first submission when they submitted it on the on that day, like. Okay. Yeah, this is this is good for for new writers. It's good for you know just having started, and then some of these people they just grow in their writing like every single week. That you see them get better at different aspects of using structure, at using uh, at using subtext, mm-hmm. at using dialogue, and um, what was my point? Where was I going? Uh, age, mm. learning, learning better. <laughs> um, I think my point was just uh, it's it's just really great to see to pe- to see people grow and that oh yeah my, my point was that it's in a certain context it is completely okay to to set, tell someone it yeah they're a good writer for for a certain stage of their of their life or of their writing career. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's difficult for us because we're maybe just we're in this period where you don't really say anymore somebody's a good writer for twenty five year olds or twenty three or whatever you say you know that's a good up and coming writer mm. I assume um, we're too old now uh, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> not too bad either uh, but yeah I mean maybe maybe it also is that we are. I suppose we're subject to more 
like we can't we may be mm. subject to harsher criticism yeah. because we don't have that benefits of youth anymore but then again there's like there's no authority uh, that's True. coming here to judge us for our writing unless we we, we um submitted to I don't know, mm. publishing houses or something and authority yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, out. we are the authority here. The authority <laughs> Now I'm thinking if there's a thing as a writority. <laughs> Maybe somebody here could like could write a, a story about um, uh, like a dystopian universe <laughs> where, where it's ruled by authors. Yes, where, where <laughs> authors have all the political power, and there's like one dictatorial party that is the author, or like a committee that is the authority. I don't know what committee you're referring to, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the committee of the universe. We don't have plans to take over the world. Uh-uh. Not yet. <laughs> I think officially we could become better writers for that, <laughs> <laughs> or better autocrats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> better at manipulating the space-time continuum. I mean, that's basically what what you're doing when you're writing, isn't it? At least in your head. Yes. <laughs> I think this whole topic of uh, good writer for this and this age is also kind of bound up in, in, in your own. I guess if, at least when you look back on your own writing, it's kind of bound up in your own development uh, of your own personality. Because like, yeah, um, you may go back and, and say that's for, for my age, if you're looking favorably at your own writing at that time, for my age, I was writing well at that time. If if you if you can, mm-hmm. maybe that's also a skill to develop. To being able to to you know because I mean I don't know maybe that's just me but I as I grow I, I do tend sometimes to look back negatively mm-hmm. uh, at at my former self I suppose, and that would be something to learn. Mm-hmm for saying, hey, the way I was and the way I wrote at that time, which is kind of tied up for me, I guess. Uh, it's all right. It was okay for for, for the stage mm-hmm. of life I was in. I mean, I guess it's good to look back and think I'm better now yeah. than to think, oh, I was better then. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I sure hope. I sure hope I, I haven't peaked yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too for you. <laughs> Since we were talking about what makes a text good, mm-hmm. I think as long as a text makes you feel something, yeah, it has achieved its purpose, and yeah. therefore, like as long as it makes you feel or makes you react to it in a certain kind of way it it's a good text well then I, you can't you can also often uh, that's something they said on start with this is that you can't control what people will feel mm. uh, when they read your text when they hear your text no uh, and then maybe maybe you'll do that you'll learn something new about what was good about your text and you'll learn something about you and you'll learn something about them yeah so no matter what the reaction is you wanted or what the reaction and what the reaction is you getting, the fact that you are getting a reaction is the whole thing that sort of should be your aim when you're mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. Evoke something. Yes. Yeah. All right. 
then we just all we need to learn is how to evoke something. It's just a piece of cake. We just need to learn how to feel. Yeah, just should be done by tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> With our cold dead hearts. <laughs> yeah, I hope you, I hope that everybody could take something away from this discussion. This was episode twenty-eight of the Universe Podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more of us, make sure to subscribe to the Universe Podcast wherever you're listening to it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review to tell us what you think and help other people find the podcast. And tell all your friends about it. Comments? Questions? You can reach us on Twitter. We're at PodUniverse. On Facebook or on our email address, podcast at universe.univ.org. This podcast was edited and hosted by Leonhard Engelmeyer. On the panel were Carrie Whitman and Philip Kreuz. I hope you visit this planet and the universe again. In the meantime, stay safe in space. Thanks for listening. <laughs>